This is Elizabeth Thicken, and I invite you to study the Bible with me. You'll hear lectures from my women's Bible studies that I teach at my church. I've written in-depth studies on seven books of the Bible. They're available on Amazon. There's much more information on my website, elizabeththicken.com. And you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Let's dig into God's Word together now, knowing that His message of salvation has been spoken to us by His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll trust that the Holy Spirit will teach us the things of God. In this episode, I'll be introducing the book of Psalms. Try to envision lots of beautiful, fresh flowers in front of my podium. We can't be in a better place than being in God's Word and looking at who He is and bringing ourselves before Him. So I want to read from Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. It says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background of how I came to and began to write this study on the book of Psalms. When I discovered that the Lord was going to have me write this study, he led me to the title, Come Let Us Worship, before I had written any exercise whatsoever, before I had put the book together. It doesn't always happen that way. He gave me the title before I scratched the surface of studying this book. But now that I have studied it, I've had a seminary class on it, I've taught it twice, I have enjoyed the book of Psalms so much, I know this was the appropriate title. All the Psalms together tell us to worship the Lord. That is the big message of the book that's very clear, and that may not be surprising to you. But I think you will be quite surprised by a few things that you will learn and discover this coming year. The first surprise might be that the display is flowers instead of musical instruments or prayer altars or even sheep. Sheep could be appropriate since the main author was a shepherd. I discovered as I gathered flowers and prepared for the psalm study that I'm a flower child. I was born in 1965, but that's not why I'm a flower child. I come by it through my heritage. My grandmother, Bessie, loved pink roses. She couldn't grow them. She had a rock garden, but she loved pink roses, so I always associate them with her. My other grandmother, Monty, worked in a florist shop and she made corsages, and I actually worked with her. I had a job there too, and I made corsages with her. My father had a rose garden, and when I was growing up, my favorite was a beautiful pink rose because its name was Queen Elizabeth. My mother loved gardening. She was an elegant lady. She always had her fingernails painted and manicured, but she loved to get them in the dirt. She didn't wear gloves, and she had a green thumb and made lovely gardens, and she had quite the touch arranging flowers as well. 
And then my mother-in-law, Ellie Ficken, has a green thumb. She can grow anything from a cutting, and she also can do beautiful arrangements. She does them for weddings, and she can make wedding bouquets. And so I am a flower child. I am surrounded by people who love flowers and can really take care of them. I'm a little better at growing them than I used to be. They do need attention. Um, when my children were little, I, I fed and watered them. I didn't really want to spend my time worrying about flowers, but I, I love them in my yard when I can grow them, and I love them in a vase. So I, I do love this display of flowers before you. And there's one that's very special right in the middle. This comes from my mother's memorial service, which was held this past weekend. She died about two weeks ago. So you'll hear me refer to her a few times. And it's just been very meaningful to see how God is bringing everything together regarding the psalm study and flowers and her death. And she's in heaven. I know where she is. And she's already worshiping the Lord. Well, how did flowers actually become an important part of the psalm study? With 150 psalms, 150 chapters of this book, I knew it would not be rational for me to try to write or teach a lesson on every single psalm. You wouldn't want 150 in-depth lessons. Um, that book would be pretty big to be carrying around just like that. I was overwhelmed with trying to pick out a few Psalms. How would I narrow it down? How would I choose which psalm to study? And the Lord prepared me by leading me first to read through the psalms in my quiet time and to journal on each one. I did that in the fall and I finished in December. And then the following January, I took a seminary class on the book of Psalms. And one of the assignments was to read through the book of Psalms and journal on each one. So I got to do it again. I didn't know that was going to be the assignment. So from August to December, I read through and journaled once. And then January to April, I read through and journaled again. And, and that's just wonderful. I'm so glad that it happened that way. Then I started trying to choose which Psalm I would actually do lessons on. You will read in your workbook in the introduction that I felt like I was standing in a flower shop in the middle of buckets of beautiful flowers and I had to choose just a few for one special bouquet or one special arrangement. Each and every psalm is wonderful and special and important, but we won't study each and every one at an in-depth level. However, we will stop and smell the roses. We will stop and smell the lilies and We'll stop and smell some of those wild, strange psalms, the wildflowers. My workbook does touch on every psalm because in between the lessons on individual in-depth psalms, there is a section entitled Arranging the Flowers, and I have a few paragraphs and comments on the, the overview of the psalms that we will not be looking at at that in-depth level. One very important thing that I want to tell you today about the book of Psalms, and you'll hear this repeatedly from me, I think you'll find this very surprising, 
We are going to study the book of Psalms from the beginning to the end, from Psalm 1 to Psalm 150. That's from chapter 1 to chapter 150. That makes it the longest book in the Bible. <laughs> We're going to study them because the order in which the Psalms have been placed is very important. The Psalms have not been randomly tossed together. There is a purpose for each Psalm in its place. And I've done my best to explain this throughout the workbook. The surrounding context of each Psalm is as important as the context of each chapter of Genesis or Matthew or Revelation. We read other books of the Bible in context, and that's what we're gonna be doing with this book. There's a story that will be told from beginning to end. There is hope that will be proclaimed from beginning to end. And when we come to the end, the grand finale, this, this magnificent doxology at the end of the book of Psalms, we'll see that it's only the beginning because it's telling us what we're going to do for eternity. Now I want to formally introduce the book of Psalms to you. And I have some of these notes on a handout that you may have. The title in the Hebrew is Sefer Tehillim, and that means book of praises. The Hebrew word Tehillah is formed from the verb halal, and that means to praise. And you may not have heard of any of those words before, but I think you've heard the word hallelujah, and that word comes from the Hebrew verb halal. Hallelujah means praise God. And I'm from Alabama, and I like to say y'all, and hallelujah is being spoken to all of you, all of y'all. So hallelujah means y'all praise God. Praise God, y'all. That's what that means. Hymns of praise are the most common type of psalm in the book. Psalm 29.1.2 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe this to him. Tell it about him. Psalm 111.1-3 says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. And that is so exciting to read today when we are gathered in the company of the upright and in the assembly, getting to praise the Lord with you, whether it's in person here or the assembly on Facebook and Zoom. <laughs> Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work and his righteousness endures forever. So, the book of Psalms is a book of praises, but there's only one psalm that actually has the word praise in its title. That's surprising. It's Psalm 145. It's a beautiful psalm. Don't wait until we get to Psalm 145 in the spring to read it. Go ahead and read it this week. I love that psalm. When I was reading and journaling through the psalms during my quiet times, instead of writing Psalm 1, like you might write the verse at the top of a page if you're journaling about it. I would write praise one and praise two and praise three. And sometimes I wondered why this was called a book of praises because there are quite a few Psalms that at first don't seem to praise God at all. 
Psalm 22 says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This person is, is in trouble. There's another psalm that says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And Psalm 35, 4 says, let those be ashamed and dishonored who seek my life. Let those be turned back and humiliated who devise evil against me. I had to ask myself the question, how do these psalms praise the Lord? So I paused and I thought about it and I reflected on it. And what I came to see, to understand was that the writer who was desperate for the Lord, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I need you. David said it and then you know Jesus quoted it. Where are you? That's a cry because they wanted the Lord. That shows that God is great and he's the only one who can satisfy us. When the writer was proclaiming the wickedness of another, this was evidence of the holiness and the greatness of the Lord. When you see evil, the reason that something is evil is because it is against God's way. That tells us that God is the one who is right. His way is right and good and holy. So I suggest that you begin to think of the book of Psalms as the book of praises and contemplate, as I did, how each one praises or exalts the Lord. This exercise has shown me that praising the Lord does not have to be exuberant, happy, upbeat, everything's great, smile on your face all the time. These psalms praise the Lord in the hardest times, in desperate times, in times of mourning, grief, lament. Why is this happening? Our greatest praise to the Lord may come sometimes in our darkest, most difficult moments. And that's when we're depending on him and him alone. I've taught this study twice before. And the first time that I taught it, my son, my oldest and firstborn child, my son had just gone to college. Well, you know, that tugs at a mother's heart. What's life going to be like now? When will I see him again? So there was that circumstance where I had the opportunity to trust the Lord. At that same time, the housing market had crashed. It was 2008. My husband's job was gone and he was in a long job search. So that was another uh, challenging circumstance to be in as I was studying and teaching the book of Psalms. We are in some strange times right now. Everything is upside down, not like we thought it would be. You thought you were sending your child to college, you did. I know some, some of you did and they're back and their classes are online or they've been back and forth, um, in and out. What a challenge that is. And I know of another one of you who thought you were gonna send your child to their first day of kindergarten and you did, but it, they didn't leave your house. So there are varieties of circumstances that are going on. Job situations for across the United States, I know, are challenging as well for many people. I'm just having to wear a mask a lot. <laughs> I thank you for doing that. And I, that's, that's one more thing that we're bringing into this study, difficult circumstances. So what better place is there to be? than to be in the word of God and trusting him 
fearing him, waiting on him. That reminds me, there's a psalm that's going to talk about waiting. And we are waiting for a lot of things. Well, it's helpful not only to understand the Hebrew title, but the Greek title of the book should be considered as well. It is Psalmos, and it means a song sung to the accompaniment of a stringed instrument. Many of the Psalms have the word song in their title, and they also have the tune to which the Psalm was sung or played. This book does include actual songs. We just don't know the melody. So you can sing it any way you want to. Psalm 33, 1 says, sing for, the, sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Psalm 68, 4 says, Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Lift up a song for him who rides through the deserts, whose name is the Lord, and exult before him. And Psalm 92, 1 says that it is a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High. There are prayers and worship songs and poems which were sung or spoken for public and private worship. And because of this, some commentators and scholars look at this book of praises as a collection of hymns used for worship, much like our hymn book that some churches use today. We do have hymn books at Colonial. They're usually not in our hands, but I, I have some hymn books at my house, and they are very helpful. But I'm not going to be teaching this book to you as it, in, in the form of it being a hymn book. I think you've already gotten that idea. The perspective of Psalms as a hymn book has a tremendous effect on the interpretation of the Psalms. Our interpretation of the Psalms will be based on the fact that they were compiled and placed in a particular order from beginning to end, and therefore each Individual psalm should be studied and should be studied in context with those around it. So let's think about the person and, and the authors, the one who compiled this book and put it in the order that it's in. Well, we don't know who that is, but this book of praises has 150 chapters and there's a progression in theology and prophecy which flows from Psalm 1 through Psalm 150. You'll see from an, the very first exercise in your homework that the book of Psalms is divided into five books. They're actually labeled in most Bibles. It will say book one, like right over the heading of Psalm one, it should say book one. And, and a Bible person didn't make that up. That came from the original Hebrew text. Uh, that is tremendous evidence that there was a compiler, a final author, who put these psalms in particular order. But that's not the only evidence, and, and it will be pointed out to you, again, in this first exercise. There are seven known authors of the psalms, plus about 50 psalms whose author is unknown. 73 out of 150 are attributed to David, and he's described as the beloved singer of songs. 
And because he wrote so many, many times the whole book of Psalms is attributed to David. David organized the tabernacle and temple worship ministry. And that included singers of the Psalms. Other authors of the Psalms are the sons of Korah. They served as musicians. Asaph wrote 12 Psalms. King Solomon wrote two. And then Heman, Ethan, and Moses each wrote one Psalm. So that's a little bit about the authors. It's also clear when you look at the Psalms as a whole, there were probably some collections before it was put together the way it is now, groupings of Psalms. One collection is known as Book One, and in that one, David wrote 37 out of the 41 Psalms. They may have been collected as David's Psalms originally. But he wrote 73, and they're not all in Book One. They are spread out, and there's a reason for that. Another collection is found in Psalms 42 through 47. These are from the sons of Korah. Another collection would be that of Asaph's Psalms, and he wrote Psalms 73 through 83. Psalm 113 through 118 may be familiar to you as the great Hallel. These were sung at Passover. They are sung at Passover today. You may have experienced these Psalms at a Seder meal at Easter. Psalms 120 through 134 are known as the Songs of Ascent. That's another collection that was already put together. Another aspect of the Psalms is that even though there are groupings according to authors, like I mentioned, the type of Psalm, the genre of the Psalm, these are mixed and scattered throughout the book. There are psalms of thanksgiving. There are psalms of individual lament and individual praise. There are messianic psalms and national lament psalms, royal psalms and imprecatory psalms, and we will deal with those as well. These psalms throughout the book are not grouped according to their type, not grouped according to the genre except for the last six, which are that great doxology and the, the grand finale, which again is just the beginning. When you combine everything I've been talking about, <laughs> there are five books, many authors, several collections, and a variety of types of psalms. You could think that this book of praises is just fruit basket turnover. It's a mixed up mess, but it's not. We're going to take the time I have studied what others have taken the time to do to understand the book as a whole and why they are in the order that they're in. We should consider that what the Lord has preserved for us is something that was inspired and written down and ordered. And we will see as we do this that the book of Psalms has a tremendous message, a big picture message. The Psalms contain the history of Israel. They also prophesy of the life, death, resurrection, and return of Jesus Christ. They also tell us how to live from day to day. And we can, we can declare the truth of Psalm 119, 105 and say, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that's 
for one day at a time. One of the most common statements about the Psalms that I have heard is, oh, I love the Psalms. And you may feel that way, and that may be why you're here. But I have had one or two tell me, I don't get it. I don't get them. I have trouble reading through the Psalms. And that's okay. And I hope that if that's how you feel, that's also why you're here, to get some help and to begin to understand them better. But the sentiment of loving the Psalms is shared by a few people you may have heard of before. Charles Spurgeon said, The delightful study of the Psalms has yielded me boundless profit and ever-growing pleasure. Martin Luther called it a little Bible, since it contains, set out in the briefest and most beautiful form, all that is to be found in the whole Bible. And Matthew Henry said, We now have before us one of the choicest and most excellent parts of all the Old Testament. Nay, so much is there in it of Christ and his gospel, as well as of God and his law, that it has been called the summary of both Testaments. And I love that. It's a little Bible. It's a summary of both Testaments. We can be in the Psalms and see the past and see our present and see our future. The Psalms have constituted the core repertory of believers, Jewish and Christian, Catholic and Protestant, Eastern and Western Christian, from their origin to their present day. That means if we take even the most conservative estimate that the Psalms represent a common religious heritage for practically three millennia, 3,000 years of Psalms. This is from the NIV application commentary. And he says, thus whenever you read the Psalms, when you sing them or pray them, you are praying, singing, and reading alongside a huge crowd of faithful witnesses. They've been spoken in Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, Latin, English, and so many other languages. As you read or sing or pray, off to your right stand Miriam and Moses. In front of you, David and Solomon kneel down. To your left are Jesus and Peter and Paul and Priscilla and Aquila. While from behind come the voices of Jerome, St. Augustine, Teresa of Avila, Martin Luther, John Calvin, and so many more. We're going to add our voices and our hearts to that chorus of those who have been worshiping the Lord through these psalms. Psalms is the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament, with the exception of Isaiah. Psalms also has more messianic prophecies than any other Old Testament book other than Isaiah. I think I actually didn't say that first sentence right, so I want to say it again. Psalms is the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament. Psalms is the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament. Wow. Well, now I want to tell you how the particular workbook that we are going to use has been structured. So you can pull that out 
and begin turning to page 11. As I said earlier, I felt like I was standing in the middle of a flower shop and there were bucket after bucket of beautiful flowers on display and I could just choose. I wanted to choose everyone, but the Lord led me to select one psalm per lesson most of the time. So we have a very special bouquet that's been created for us. On page 11, you will see the title, Psalm 1, down at the bottom of the page, and that is lesson number one. I didn't put those words in there, but you'll see that in the table of contents when we look at that in a minute. The very first exercise that you have is to read the psalm. Every lesson has the psalm number and the instruction to read it and a little box with flowers in it and some lines for you to write your responses. That's your opportunity to do a little bit of journaling or reflection or ask a question or rejoice, whatever you want to do to interact with this psalm to begin with. There also is a page if you want some information about journaling, you can look back, don't do it now, but page seven has the title reading and responding. So that could help you a little bit, but this is, this is a personal time for you to read the Psalm and respond to the Lord. And this is also a time where you are depending on the Holy Spirit to give you understanding, to speak to you, to enlighten your minds, to touch your heart. We study the Bible in dependence on the Holy Spirit because who knows the mind of the Lord except the Lord and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord. So we are completely dependent in Bible study on the Holy Spirit. After that, we begin our in-depth study. You can turn to page 12. And the first exercise um, there is an example of observation. What does it say? And I've asked you to list descriptions of the blessed man and descriptions of the wicked man. So you're just reading what the Psalm says and you're writing down what the words in your Bible say, just copying black and white words into your workbook. I do try to make simple questions. And if it is so simple and, I, and you read, the Lord is my shepherd, and I ask you, what does it say about the Lord? The answer is, it says he's my shepherd. Sometimes it's that simple, okay? Sometimes you have to think a little bit harder. And then there are times where there are reflective, thought-provoking questions because we're not going just for head knowledge here. I want your head knowledge to be connected to your heart and let God stir it all up and let it be how you live and have a biblical worldview and an intimate personal relationship with the Lord. After that observation question, where we've looked at what does it say, we also will be trying to understand what it says. What does it mean? This is interpretation. This is hermeneutics, but I don't try to weigh you down with that big word, but that is what it is. What did the author mean? So on page 12, there are three words, law, meditate, and delight, and I've given you the directions on how to find out what that word is in the Hebrew and what the Hebrew meaning of that word is. This is also an exercise which helps you slow down and think about it. So it's as much a 
an exercise in meditation as it is in just research. And I'm going to tell you more about how to go find word definitions in a little while. And then after we've observed the text and we have interpreted the text to the best of our ability, and I'll put comments from commentators and scholars in there sometimes. Those usually show up in boxes in the workbook. Those are not my words. Those are someone else's words. My words are in italics. We want to consider how does this apply to my life? What am I going to do with what I have been exposed to, what I'm learning? And one example is on page 13. I've said, finally, restate this verse as a prayer. And that's an application exercise. So you are personalizing it and you're even praying it. I didn't just ask you, how does this apply? I, I gave you a prompt to apply it. When it comes to this book of praises, we're going to look at individual psalms and what they mean, like standalone, and we will also see what they mean together. So we'll go through all of these steps again. What does the psalm say in context with the psalms around it? Psalm 1 and 2 are used as a, um, an introduction, um, two books, I mean two psalms together, and you read them together and they set the stage for the rest of the whole book. So even though they are Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, and we look at it, what does Psalm 1 say? What does Psalm 2 say? Then we look at them together. Sometimes we are going to study consecutive Psalms. The next homework you will do will be Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. But then the next homework in depth study will be on Psalm 8. And the following will be on Psalm 15. But we will touch on every psalm. So in between the lessons on Psalm 2 and Psalm 8, just turn to page 17. There will be pages and sections entitled Arranging the Flowers, and that will show up throughout the workbook. And this is where I will give you a summary of what those psalms are about, how they connect from before and after, the context, and all you have to do is read that. You can go further and read the psalms if you want to, but it's not required. There aren't there are not usually any questions here for you to answer, but um, you want to give some attention to that. If you would please turn to the table of contents, the second page in your workbook, you will see that there's introduction, do you know Jesus, reading and responding to the Psalms, helpful hints, and then that word lessons, and under lessons is the list. So lesson one is Psalm 1. For your homework assignment, I usually say, we are going to be discussing Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. That's what your um, schedule, calendar, handout talks about. So this is your schedule as well. Almost always two Psalms per week. And... Um, and the arranging the flowers. You can see how that is uh, spread throughout those lessons. The last thing that I'll say now about our study and how much we're doing, even though this is an in-depth study, it is not a comprehensive study. I'm not going to try to tell you everything that can be told about the Psalms. And I just want you to know that in-depth does not mean all-inclusive. 
you might be relieved at that. I want to share a closing comment with you, and then I'm going to go to the back of the room and show you some online uh, tips and helps for looking up word definitions and um, also my website. So I believe that as you study the Psalms as a complete book, as you study the Psalms in context with each other, you'll be moved to greater devotion to the Lord. As you can tell from the title of the study, Come, Let Us Worship, that's our goal. It's to understand that what God has recorded in the Psalms is so that we will live our lives in worship to Him, our daily lives. The Psalms will show us how to worship the Lord in all circumstances of our lives, the good times, the bad times, the desperate times, the times of persecution, times of battle, times of victory, times of peace. When we're weary or depressed or anxious, the Psalms show us how to worship the Lord while we wait for His return. And he is coming back. They also get us ready to worship him when we are before him face to face. I'm looking forward to that. Now, hold a moment where I go and we're going to turn this screen on and you're going to see eSword and ElizabethFicken.com and a Google search of our words and some other study resources. So I hope that I will not have technical problems with this. Uh, it's that front one, yes. Zoomers are probably going to get a little preview of this before y'all do. Um, huh. It's not on yet. Oh, it's this right here. Just walk. Oh, look, see. Uh, Ellen worked so hard, and I got the magic touch. Okay. So this is eSword on my computer. I have downloaded this program, and you should see this is Psalm 1, and I, there's a little circle. I'm going to begin hovering over some numbers, and you can click on the number. Isn't that sad that I landed on sinners first? Of course, you need to know that's the way we're born, and that's why we need Jesus. So look, a criminal, one accounted guilty, an offender, absolutely. Thank you, God, for saving us through your son Jesus and forgiving us of our sin. So... Uh, <clears throat> Meditate is going to show up in your workbook as one of the early words, and you can click on it here, and it comes up like that. I like this program. I like being able to hover over these words, and this has Strong's Concordance in it, another um, concordance or um, lexicon, I believe is the right word, is Brown, Driver, Briggs, and that will give you definitions as well. If you have books in your home, if you have a really big book called Strong's, you can pull that out, and you may have other versions of lexicons that will give you Hebrew word definitions. So I'm not 
I don't want you to go to Webster's American Dictionary. That's not the type of definition that you're looking for. We're looking for the, the Hebrew word and what that word means back then. Um, then we also have over on this side commentaries. I'm just changing tabs so maybe you can see where I am. Let's get this on. i move this a little bit. Or not. Okay. So these are, th this is a free program that you can download and you don't have to, but I wanted you to know about it. It's called eSword and I will give you a link to that in a moment. So let me make sure that I can change my, okay, I'm going to share something else now. We've been on Facebook Live this morning, and I wonder if anybody's still there. Here is eSword, and this is eSword.net. You'll see that's the address. This is in the beginning of your workbook under helpful hints, and it tells you how to download it, and then you have to start your computer again, and then you have to go and get some more things. So uh, some people like it and some people don't. All right, I have a website, elizabethficken.com, and... The home page looks like this. There will always be one big picture and it will change each week as I post new articles. The, this is an example of the, in, the last class that I had there of Hebrews and I have a few things to say and then I share a video and on the side of this, are helpful links where is so that you can get to the eSword from the, my website here's an example of a Hebrew word dictionary this takes you to studylight.org you can get there on your own studylight.org but again you're looking for a lexicon not an encyclopedia not really a dictionary a Bible lexicon and Old Testament Hebrew Lexical Dictionary. I haven't clicked through here in a little while. Sometimes you can put the word in. Let's see. I can't remember any. Oh, does it give me a, will it take a number? Not sure. Look at there. What is word 1548? I don't even know. Huh? To shave off, to be bald. I just made that number up. <laughs> but there's, there's the word. Um, so that wasn't too hard. If you want to just go to studylight.org, see, we're over in the search, and you put your number, and you see these Hebrew letters under here, you'll know you're looking for a Hebrew word. Sometimes we get confused, and we end up with a, a Greek word. Look up at the top here, Strong's H for Hebrew, you can just Google Strong's and the number. And what happens when we do that? You get a long list of places to find it. Uh, study Bible, I'm not sure if that's, oh, studylight.org, I was down here. Which one do you like to look at? Do you know? Yes, the blue letter is showing up the very first one right here. So a lot of people do that. You can do this on your smartphone. You can just go to your search, you can put your number in, and this will give you the pronunciation. And um, what does this say? Let's keep scrolling down, and sometimes there are more information than I'm seeing right here. So these are some things to play with. And then I think I would like to take you back to my website one more time. We'll go here. Oops. I hope everybody is able to see all the things that are happening. 
So again, the first, uh, uh, there are tabs across the top, and if you're using a phone or an iPad, you probably need to look for something that says menu to give you all of these. Under Come Let Us Worship, I will begin to have a tab that says links to lectures. And I will show you, for example, from last year's class, I have information on each post that I've made, and they're all able to be found. So eventually, um, like introducing Hebrews, this was the first class, and there's a video of what we did last year. And I'm recording what's happening right now, and these will be available for Psalms. That's all for today. I am Elizabeth Ficken. Thanks for studying the Bible with me.